0: wrote sacred music, and now I know for sure. <laughs> so. Thank you, Kelly, for that uh, amazing song, and Julia for arranging uh, those two songs together. That was so, so cool. Um, we have a special privilege today of having Bishop Hope Morgan Ward with us um, and reading from her bio that I got off of the conference website, um, let you know that she's a native North Carolinian. She grew up in Cora um, Peak, a small community in northeastern North Carolina. Her home church, Parker's United Methodist Church, is on a three-point charge. She's a graduate of Duke University and Duke Divinity School. She met her spouse, Mike, on a volunteer in missions work team in Bolivia in 1975, and they were married in 1977. And together, they served as teaching parents at the Methodist Home for Children in Raleigh. She has served as a youth director, Christian educator, pastor, director of connectional ministries, and district superintendent here in the North Carolina Conference. She was elected to the Episcopacy in July 2004 and assigned to the Mississippi Conference in 2004 and 2008. And in 2012, she was assigned to the North Carolina Conference to become our bishop. She served as president of the General Board of Global Ministries and as president of Just Peace, which is the Center for Mediation and Conflict Transformation of the United Methodist Church. She now serves on the General Board of Church and Society and is the bishop assigned to give oversight to the Vietnam Mission Initiative. Her spouse, Mike Ward, is an educator. He's been a high school teacher, coach, principal, and local school superintendent, and from 1997 to 2004, he served as the North Carolina State Superintendent of Public Instruction. He's on the faculty at NC State, consults across the United States on education, and is an advocate for children. And Mike, we're awfully glad that you're here with us, too. She, uh, Bishop Hope and Mike have two children, they have three grandchildren and a fourth on the way. They enjoy sailing, other seaside joys, including jogging and reading, and it is an honor and a privilege to welcome to the pulpit Bishop Hope Morgan Ward today. Thank you.
1: Grace and peace, Grace and peace to all of you, to each of you, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. As I spoke with Doug about... Uh, your camp meeting month, he said that you would be focusing on prayer. And so I said immediately, well, then I will say a few things about my favorite prayer, (laughs) which is the song of praise which Mary offers in Luke chapter 1. I do love this prayer, but I have to confess I came to it a bit later in my life. Um, Being a child of rural Eastern North Carolina uh, Methodism, I never heard much about Mary at all. At Christmas, she was in the Christmas pageant, and she sat very quietly behind the manger holding the baby doll. (laughs) But there were no sermons about her, and we didn't talk about Mary, I suppose because we knew she was Catholic. (laughs) Right? Anybody else have that wonderment? <laughs> we also didn't talk much about John because he was Baptist, Baptist exactly.) <laughs> but later on in my life, about 30 years ago, I discovered Mary. Uh, and I did it in a rather odd way. It was a prayerful moment. Mike and I jog early in the mornings, and often, as we would uh, jog at that point in time, um, I would hear the Beatles song, Let It Be. And I kept wondering, why is it, when I'm trying to pray, do I hear the Beatles song, Let It Be? Now, we did not collaborate on the Beatles song, but wasn't that fantastic? It was absolutely fantastic. Let it be, let it be. Why? 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 I had never connected the Beatles song at all with Mary's let it be until when I been, I saw it right there in the Holy Scripture in Luke chapter 1, Mary saying to God, let it be to me according to your word. And I realized what I was hearing was the Beatles song, but I was also hearing... The prayer of Mary, in response to god 's visitation upon her life through the angel Gabriel, uh, let it be let it be to me according to your word now paul mccartney 's mother was named Mary. did you know that? And he named he and uh, his wife named their daughter, Mary, after his mother. <laughs> But for me, the Mother Mary, of course, is Mary, the mother of Jesus. Hear these words from Luke chapter 1. At this odd time, we might think, to go to Luke chapter 1, first Sunday in August, Gabriel said to her, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. She was much perplexed by this greeting and pondered what sort of greeting it might be. The angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God. You will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High God. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestors. He will reign forever. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I'm a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For God has regarded the lowliness of this servant. And from now, all generations will call me blessed. The Lord God has done great things for me, and holy is God's name. God has shown strength with a mighty arm. God has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. God has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich are driven empty away. According to the promise of God, through God's mercy to our ancestors, Abraham and Sarah, and all of their descendants forever. This is the word of God for the people of God. (laughs) What an amazing, amazing prayer. I love the Tintoretto painting of the Annunciation, the appearance of the angel to Mary is huge. It, It wouldn't fit on this wall. If we took the, even if we took the choir chairs out, it's huge. It's absolutely huge. And Mary is depicted in the kitchen of a simple house. And outside the house, Joseph is working away at carpentry. And flying through the air is Gabriel. <laughs> but not just Gabriel. With Gabriel is a whole swarm. I don't know what you call a lot of angels. A host, I guess. A host. A heavenly host, not a swarm. That would be mosquitoes a heavenly host of angels, and they're all flying in to surprise Mary, and they fly right over Joseph to the place where, and he just continues to work at his carpenter's bench. The overwhelming visitation of God upon this young woman's life. It's no wonder that she was perplexed. Some scriptures Some translations say afraid, startled, whatever word we might want to use. How can this be? How can this possibly be? Another depiction of the Annunciation that I love is from a children's book illustrated by Julie Vargas. She's a very creative illustrator. And she has has Gabriel sitting down at that table in the kitchen with Mary Mary is seated there, and Gabriel has tattered wings. They're worn from a lot of flying and a lot of visitations, I guess. And on his feet are brogans. Brogans. In other words, we got some work to do with this world, Mary, <laughs> and it's going to be hard. And we got to be ready to work at it. We got to be ready to step up. We got to be ready to be brave and courageous. we got to be ready to be more than we've been before because this world, as Christina so beautifully told the children, needs to be turned back around. It's gotten upside down, and it needs to be turned right side up. And the way I'm going to do it, God says to Mary, is I'm going to take a person like you, seemingly insignificant, just a regular person, a young girl, without a lot of credentials, (laughs) but I'm going to overshadow you. Isn't overshadow the best biblical word? To be overshadowed is to to disappear in something greater than ourselves, Uh, to to absolutely go away into something larger than ourselves. This word only appears twice in Scripture. It appears here in the visitation of the angel, uh, the Annunciation story in Luke, Uh, and it appears in the Transfiguration story when Jesus, high on a mountain, is transfigured in holy light, and its becomes, clothing becomes whiter than any bleach. Don't you love that description? Could possibly make the clothes. And the disciples are overshadowed with fear and trembling. It's a great word. Mary is overshadowed by, by God. Now, overshadowed by God, she says... Let it be to me according to your will, not my own. And then she sings this most amazing prayer, this beautiful hymn. My soul rejoices in you, my Savior. You have done great things for me. You have shown strength with your mighty arms. You bring down the mighty and lift up the poor. You fill the hungry with good things and you send the rich empty away. You show mercy. You show mercy to all generations. Mercy, goodness, love, grace. Oh, a beautiful prayer of thanksgiving to God who has spoken to her. Spoken to her. Now in this complicated, complex, hurting, violent world, God still comes. Our world in some ways is so different from that time and in other ways is so like that time. Violence, weapons, war, borders, refugees, immigration. None of this is new. None of this is new. And in the time of Jesus, it pressed in among the people. And there is Mary in the midst of this overwhelming time of hardness and cruelty and violence and trouble. She sings of what God is yet going to do. God is going to turn this world back, right side up. And God is going to use small people like Mary to do it. God is going to use the church to do it. Uh, God is with us. God is calling us. God is overshadowing us. And God is using the most unlikely people to flip this world back over. And God is using unlikely people to flip the church back over. Because we also have gotten all out of shape. You all recently hosted uh, Interfaith Hospitality Network, I understand. Family Promise, I believe it's now called. About 30 years ago, our church was um, engaged with a few other churches in Raleigh to begin Wake Interfaith Hospitality Network. It was a great idea, as you well know, to provide children and their families with shelter and help, unsheltered families. And so churches like yours, like ours, would bring some families in a week, a quarter, twice a year, in a rhythm that worked. We had it all set up. We had the churches recruited. We found a place for the day center. We even had raised enough money for there to be a director at the day center to help the families. It was all ready to roll, except we had not yet scheduled the weeks. I was discussing this problem with our missions chair. There was a meeting, neither she nor I could go to it. It was a scheduling meeting to get all the churches organized on the calendar when the newest member of our church walked up, a very unlikely person. And she said, I just overheard what you said. I'm not that busy. I'd be glad to go to the meeting. And we said, great. And I gave her a list of convenient dates for her to take to the meeting. She went to the meeting. I remembered the night that she went. I didn't think a whole lot about it until she called the next morning. Hope I got to come over there right now. What in the world? That meeting was awful, she said, just awful. We had had not one blimp the whole way through the planning of this. Everyone was getting along perfectly. We had no squabbles, no trouble. It was all smooth as silk. And suddenly she is distressed. I said, well, come on over. She came to the church. She came in, and she said, I just couldn't believe that meeting. I could not believe it. What was wrong with the meeting? We scheduled every week of the year and nobody would take Christmas, she said. I kind of understand that. (laughs) As a pastor, Christmas is a very busy time for us, right? Cantatas, Christmas Eve services. We this was October and we we had already printed our Advent brochure (laughs) with our projects, our programs. She said, the more I thought about it, the madder I got. She said, you know I don't know anything about the Bible. I've only been a Christian a very short time. But I think I know that Jesus was homeless. He didn't have a place to go. He ended up in a manger. Is that right? I said, yes, that's right. She said, I finally became so upset that I stood up and I hit the table with my fist. And I thought, what did the Presbyterians and the Baptists think about this? laughter She said, I hit the table with my fist, and I said, I'm ashamed to be in this room. Every one of us should be wanting to take Christmas. Christmas is Jesus' birthday, not our birthday. It's not our birthday, it's Jesus' birthday, and he had no place to go but a stable. I go to a church that loves Jesus, she said. Our church will take Christmas this year and every year. you what? (laughs) Well, how about you tell them about it Sunday? And so on Sunday, I invited her up, and she said, of all the churches, we are most blessed. We get to host Christmas, Jesus' birthday, when Jesus was without a home. He was in a stable, you know, Meet me in the foyer if you're willing to spend the night. Meet me in the foyer if you're willing to bring dinner. Meet me in the foyer if you're willing to come on Christmas Eve or Christmas morning. Meet me in the foyer. By the time I made it to the foyer, every single line on her chart was full. People were saying, this is the greatest idea ever. (laughs) The greatest idea ever. Our children will have a, a chance to learn the true meaning of Christmas. People who have lost a loved one this year will no longer dread Christmas. They have a place. People said, I had dreaded Christmas because it would be a time of grief and remembering of grief. I have a place to be. I will be there Christmas morning. It was amazing. The first week in January, the Baptist called and said, who is that wonderful woman you sent? Can she train our volunteers? (laughs) We hosted Christmas for five years. And then they called and said, you can't have Christmas anymore. The Presbyterians have complained that you always get Christmas. (laughs) There were two tracks by then, so we kept Christmas, and the Presbyterians also got Christmas. Mike and I were spending the night, and one one of the children of our church who had come to our church through the network, his family had been helped to settle and restart their life, They would become members of our church. This child, about six years old, was walking down the hall with one of the children who was spending the night, currently without a home. And he had his arm around the little boy's shoulder. And as they walked along, he was saying, I know it's tough. We lived in our car, too. But we'll help you find a place just like we helped me We helped me. We helped me. No one in our church could have given that comfort in the strength of this child who had also lived in his car for a while until we helped me. We went to Mississippi and came back to Raleigh uh, and the first year, the cabinet at Christmas time collected books for the children at Wake Interfaith Hospitality Network. And I took them over and I went in uh, to give them the books. And the, the woman who was at the desk said, You look familiar. And I said, Well, you know, I, I lived here eight years ago and, and our church was a part of this. And she said, she's, Oh, yeah, I remember you. And she said, That church is really mad with us. I said, why are they mad with you? And she said, we told them they cannot have Christmas anymore <laughs> all these years later. But friends, I could tell, tell you story after story, memory after memory of the dynamic I have just described in which the one who seemed on the edge, the one with the least cred, uh, the one with the fewest credentials... <laughs> The most surprising one steps forward and leads the church to a place the church would not go on its own because it's human nature to gather around and to look inward, to gather with people like ourselves, to not take risk. This Song of Mary helps us uh, be courageous, to be bold, to step out, to trust. God is turning the world upside down. And an upside-down church is what's going to be the invitation, the door, for the world to, to step in, to be flipped back over. What better day to remember that than a morning when we wake up to the news that we just heard um, from across our country. We sang, we ain't going to study war no more. <laughs> Friends, that's flipping the world upside down. Um, may it be so. May these hymns that we sing, these words that we read, uh, these promptings that we hear from the Holy Spirit of God speaking to us, let these words find deep root in our hearts. And let us uh, be the church that God is calling us to be. Let it be. Let it be. Let us pray. Indeed, Lord Jesus, uh, let your light shine in the darkness of this world. Use us, we pray, as small and weak as we are, as frustrated as we may be, as sad as we may be, as we read headlines and see news stories. Give us the confidence of uh, Mary as she sang My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For God has done great things for me. God shows strength with a mighty arm. God lifts up the poor and brings down the rich, fills the hungry with good things, and sends those prideful empty away. May we... Loving God, be an upside-down church. Use us, we pray, to turn your world upside down. Amen.